Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today on the show, we are talking about the C word. No, not that one. Change. And change is this thing that we all have these different responses to. Like some of us love it. Some of us not so much. Some of us are like, oh, whatever, another change, don't care. Well, this episode is for everyone because these things happen at work where we have these organizational changes that are outside of our control and we need to know how to handle them. So on this episode, we are joined by Dr. Kate Byrne. Kate has her PhD in communications and she's had over 20 years experience in the field. She runs a business called EverChange that helps executives take their organization through transformational change projects. On this episode, you're going to get all the practical tips to navigate change. Enough from me. Let's get into it. This is a podcast about making work work. You'll learn about leadership, career growth, and how to navigate those weird work challenges. I run a HR consulting business called Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. If you lead a team or run a business and you think I can help, let's connect on LinkedIn. My name is Shelley Johnson. It's time to get to work. Dr. Kate Byrne, welcome to the podcast. Oh, that's so fancy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm thrilled for us to talk today. And good timing. So today we're talking about change. (laughs) And I've got to tell you, we've spent the last 20 minutes changing systems, changing tech, going from one podcast platform to the next because it's been just a whirlwind. And I think this is why we need to talk about change. (laughs) Well, yeah, look, today's change that's okay. We're still focused on the same goal. We still have the same intent, but we were pretty agile, pretty flexible with it. And we were both actively engaged in sorting it out. So I think that was a great example of, you know, like really rising to the challenge. (laughs) Spoken like a true change professional. (laughs) I want to talk to you and I've wanted to talk to you for a while about the idea of change and why it matters in our career, because we all experience the challenge, the joys, the struggles of change at work. And I'd love to know from your perspective, Kate, you you work with organizations all around Australia, helping them deal with change. What do you think it is about change that we really struggle with? Oh, I think there's two big things come to mind. The first one is that there's just way more change than there used to be. And um, so our change appetites, you know, we we would probably had it set at a certain bar when we were at school, when we first started in our careers, but things are kind of changing faster than anticipated more and more. And that feels like a burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's that. And then the second thing is about the way traditionally that change happens at work and the bad vibes about that. But if we go back to, we can talk about both of them, but that first one about you know, that there just seems to be way more change than we would like, than we had expected. Um, That is normal 
in all industries, mm. not just in this country, but everywhere. And in fact, I recently, well, I've been doing some research with uh, partnering with McCrindle on this and we asked people, has the rate of change, has there been more change, the same amount of change or less change for you at work over the past few years? If you think about the last three, four years, has before then and after then, has change been speeding up for you? What's the answer for you, Shelley? Uh, yes, I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, and it, it definitely has for me as well. Like if I think about the last three years and everything that has changed at work in that time, as well as in the world, and that's people agreed with that. The vast majority of people agreed that there is just more and more change, more and more change. And that's because change is exponential. It's like compounding interest, you know, with our money in the bank. So change builds on more and change itself. And that's so it speeds up more and more. Uh, and a guy called Michael Simmons wrote a while ago, and I thought this was so fascinating, the idea that everything is pointing to things are kind of changing quickly now, but change is going to get even faster. There's going to be even more. And that in 20 years time, the rate of change is going to be four times oh. that, that it is now, which is <laughs> like crazy to think about. And in 40 years time, the rate of change, because it's exponential, is going to be 16 times what it is now. So wow. if you think about change at work now and how that frustrates you or pisses you off or takes up your time or maybe you really enjoy it, get ready because mm. it's 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 coming. More and more of it is coming. I like what you're saying about the exponential rate of change. I remember hearing Mark McCrindle uh, from McCrindle Research talk years back. It probably would have been like seven years ago. He He did a talk that I was at and he said that it used to feel like we were moving towards the future, but now the future is coming at us. Mm. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective that the future is coming at us. Mm. And so we can choose to kind of embrace that future or we can choose to kind of resist, resist it. And we were talking before we started recording about the idea of as, as you get older, do you, and this is a question for you, but I can tell you my opinion on myself. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready for it. <laughs> As you get older, do you become naturally more change resistant? And that might not be the right term, but let's just go with that for a sec. Because that's been my experience <laughs> for myself where I used to earlier in my career be, I think, way more adaptable, way more in tune with what was happening in the world in terms of new technologies and slowly over time, I don't know if I've just become more set in my ways and I really resent that. I want to mm. be more adaptable. I want to be more flexible. I want to pursue new things all the time, but I can just feel that little bit of resistance in me. Is that normal? <laughs> I'm going to say I think it is. And look, as the very old person that I am, <laughs> I can report <laughs> The same kinds of feelings. And even though this is an area I'm really interested in, this is, you know, I work in this area and I actually, I, I think there's a huge amount of, I think anytime there's change, there's opportunity. I have very positive feelings about it as a concept. <laughs> you know, change <laughs> is progress and the future is exciting uh, and it will surprise us. And I still have days where I get up and I go, oh gosh, I, you know, like I really 
I don't think I can rise to the challenge today of this change. Why can't we just keep things the way they were? Things were going really well. Why do I have to do it this new way? It's a pain in the ass. I, yeah, I actually think one of the key skills that people talk about agility and flexibility and all of these kinds of buzzwords around what is good to have for change, but the core skill that we need to kind of foster in ourselves is learning and being comfortable with learning because change when it brings newness there's it's and particularly at work change is about a new way of working whatever it might be it might be small it might be big it can mean lots of different things um but it's about at its core a comfort with learning and openness to learning uh and i think that's the muscle in ourselves that we mainly need to keep on practicing and uh stay connected with and i wonder I don't know, this is just an opinion, but I wonder if as we progress through life, we get kind of further away from, we're less practised in that learning space. You know, we're less comfortable with learning new stuff, not being good at stuff to begin with, you know, all of that kind of thing. That is so insightful. I've always felt like change is about um moving away from one style of working towards another. But I love what you're saying about learning. And it, it reminds me of this book by Warren Berger. Have you ever read it? It's called A More Beautiful Question. Oh, no, I have, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So he's an investigative journalist originally, and he wrote this book, A More Beautiful Question, and he went and studied what happens with people as they get older and how they learn and how they lose their curiosity over time. And he said this amazing quote in the book, time conspires against curiosity and growth. And I I hadn't thought about that for a while, but you just triggered me to think about if change, if the essential skill we need in our careers to respond well to change is the ability to learn, we need to know that time is conspiring against our ability to learn. And Mm. I think about that now as like with my daughter, she's She's six now. She's in kindy. But when she was four, when I read the book, they talk about how four-year-olds ask on average between 200 and 400 questions a day, which is an insane amount. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and But by the time they finish high school, that rate has dropped off almost completely. So we think about that as an adult. What does that mean for our ability to learn? Because if we're not, curiosity is an essential skill of learning. What's your take on that, Kate? Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. Curiosity is one of those fabulous words. I was having this conversation with a senior leader the other day who uh, is in charge of a very large organisation that is um, very influential in this country. I won't say who, even though that's like dangling a little. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, but I, I don't have the <laughs> permission to share. I know. I'm sorry. It's it's not that exciting. But um, we were talking about there was a program where they were introduced. They had introduced new values that they were trying to drive across the organisation, and a lot of them, you know, there was kind of four of them. They sounded all right. They all started with C, and the one that sounded the friendliest and the softest and the funnest was curiosity. I said to them, that's really clever to include that because curiosity feels accessible. That is something we can all do as individuals. We can do that. We can also cultivate that in our team, that idea of being more curious. But actually, curiosity leads to so many good things. Curiosity is 
that's us improving our listening skills, uh, empathy, um, you know, getting to the bottom of things. Innovation stems from curiosity. There's so many very, very cool things that kind of have curiosity at the very core of it. Um, yeah, I think that's such a cool trait to focus on because it feels accessible. Ask more questions. Give yourself space to listen and really consider. It does feel accessible, the ability to simply go, you know what, I'm just going to ask some more questions. I don't think that's that hard to do. It's just not that common. Mm, Yeah, but it helps. Curiosity is actually really powerful for if you're a team leader, if you are at all influential at work, if you make decisions of any kind or make recommendations, curiosity is your superpower because the more you ask questions and actually genuinely listen and take on the information, the more data you have to make more informed, better decisions for your organisation and for where you are. Like it's actually links to some very, very important, it feels soft and fuzzy, links to some hardcore, important kind of performance driving innovation kind of stuff. Oh, totally. I'm really interested in your perspective. If we think about this, the pace of change that you described, it's speeding up. Uh, so unfortunately, if if for us it means that we're going to have to just get on board with it, but well, not unfortunately. I will say you describe that in every change as an opportunity. So mm. we could look at it from the unfortunate lens, lens, which is what I just described, or we can look at it as the the opportunity and that spark of there's new things here, and this gives me space to grow. This gives me space to learn. What is your take though on change fatigue because mm. the pace is increasing. So that's not going to slow down. That's That makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> yes, it does. That is very insightful. <laughs> nice one, Shell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a Friday as we record this. We, so we've got to join the dots. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Kate, I'm so glad you're on this podcast today to um, carry the load. What no, no, not at all. About change fatigue. So. Well, there's a reason why we have changed fatigue, but I just want to step back. I want to share one of my favourite quotes. I'm going to get it wrong. I'm not even going to try, but just on the rate of change and the idea that there's opportunity in it, there's, ah, I'm never confident that I say this guy's name correctly, but he's an author. His surname is Harari. Anyway, he has an incredible quote about how if anyone ever describes the mid-21st century to you and it doesn't sound like science fiction, they're lying. It is certainly false. So just to give you an idea about all of the potential unknowns, the future is going to surprise us each individually. It's going to surprise us in our teams and in our industries. It's going to surprise our organisations. Surprises can be awesome and we also through that are going to have opportunities to shape our ideal roles and our career paths and um, the key qualities and traits that we bring to stuff. So I just wanted to share that to kind of say it really is like this mind expanding. I love that quote because it makes me think, ooh, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And that's pretty cool because, you know, sci-fi. But <laughs> yes, let's talk about change fatigue. So there is there's a whole bunch of research out there that says, Change is getting faster. There's more of it than ever. There's, um, I think Gartner recently put out some research that said in 2016, there was maybe two big changes at work a year, like two that impacted kind of everyone in the place. Uh, and 
in 2016, about three quarters of the people at work were happy to support that. They were into it and doing it. When they did that research again uh, recently, they found that there's way more changes impacting everyone at work, big changes, like 10 a year on average. Uh, That's a big change since 2016. And that less than half of the people at work, about 40, 43%, I think it was, are willing to support change these days. So as the amount of change has gone up, our engagement and desire to connect with it and to support it has gone down. And that's only big changes because you know, our organisation, our business can kind of tell us there's a big, a whole new IT system coming or they're doing a big restructure. There's those kinds of big changes. But there's a whole bunch of smaller changes that impact us every week mm. in our role, a little, a better way of doing something, a new team member, um, we're sitting in a different place or when there's a new meeting we've got to attend, our role has changed slightly. I get why it's exhausting. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot to take on. Um, and I also hear from people, you asked why, why is there change fatigue? A lot of the time when I talk to, when people find out, oh, you know, Kate's in change and she's interested in change, um, I hear words like people say, oh, God, I know, they recently did this big change at work and, you know, they did this to us and then they forced this on us. And there's a language around how change is introduced, how it happens at work Mm. that is really kind of us against them vibes. Uh, I think that's a big part of the reason why. And I think the main reason why is because we all have a lot of pressure in our lives doing our jobs right now, day to day. We're, We're busy. We're full. Our calendars are full. We have commitments and priorities we've got to deliver and change. So we're in the here and now and change is about the future. And so the more change there is, we're kind of forced to spend time in the future yeah, and kind of blending the future with now when we've already got very full plates right now. And I, I think that kind of balance is what causes us to, you know, just feel really tired. <laughs> tired? I'm like, yeah, I really relate to that. I, I'm like, the, the tiredness is real. I, it's actually such a good call out to go, we're in the here and now and the here and now is full. Like my here and mm. now it does not have margin for the future. And so then when you get that thing that comes along, like the restructure, and there's some really, they can be some really painful changes, right? Or you get the, and I love what you're saying about the big and small changes. So the restructure would be a big one, the new CRM that you have to, it's always a new CRM. There is always a new CRM, yes. (laughs) And it's like the people listening are like, I'm getting triggered by the new CRM. I'm sorry, I know, everyone... (laughs) Sorry for, you're probably, ro- if you're sitting, you're rocking back and forth right now. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's all these, there's those big changes, but I reckon some of the small changes, and I'll put small in inverted commas, right? I think some of the small changes can be really big. Like mm. here's one that I think is a struggle. When you get a new manager. Oh, that's a big change. I agree. Yeah. It's a big change, but it's masked as a small yes, change. It it's is. Like we've it got is. a new, yeah. new manager and now you're like, this is big, to me, that's bigger than the CRM. That mm. changes everything about how you work. When you've got these changes that I love your language around people saying this is forced on me, like that change of a new manager is outside of your control. You don't have any control over that really. They come in. How can we adjust our mindset to respond well even though the change is outside of our control? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, change when you don't have a lot of influence. I agree. That. You're, you're exactly right. If you get a new manager, a new director, 
that is not considered a big change because it's not impacting the entire organisation. It's not every team in the place, but because of the proximity to you and the amount of impact it has on your every move, yes. potentially every conversation, that is huge for you. I I agree. That is a huge, it's potentially bigger than the new CRM for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, I think, I hope this isn't annoying to say, but we've got to start with ourselves. Change and really successful change is always about individuals making a call for themselves first. Um, and even if you don't have a lot of influence out out in the world, you can't change whether or not maybe you weren't involved in selecting your new manager. Um, you do have a lot of control over how you respond to the change and how you think about the change. Um, the first thing I'd recommend doing is you know, taking a moment to reflect on and notice your own emotions and response to the change. What does it bring up for you? And when I talk about emotions, I'm going to say the stuff in your body, not so much the stuff in your brain, but that too, but the stuff in your body, I think emotions kind of land in our body. Thoughts are happening in our head. They can combine, but sometimes they're different. Uh, you know, reflect on that and know yourself. Uh, knowing yourself can be really helpful in thinking about your emotions. So that might be, um, I think that diagnostics are really helpful ways to kind of cue us to get to know ourselves better. Things like Strengths Finder, Gallup, Gallup Strengths Finder, um, emotional intelligence test. There's a good one called MySet, M-S-C-E-I-T. Um, and there's this learning one, which I really like, Format learning type. You can go check those out. Um, but use those to kind of get to know yourself and just identify your feelings about it. And a reflection tool, if you're journaling or you're out for a walk, you are frustrated about something, you know, this change isn't sitting well with you, whether it's a new manager or, or something else, the CRM is really pissing you off, whatever it might be. <laughs> um, I like to think about it Give yourself some structure and think about it with three Ps. So think about it from the perspective of the project and that's a task-based idea. So what are the challenges around the tasks that this is going to change for you? What does this mean in terms of your actual doing? Um, then think about it from the perspective of the people. What challenges come up for you in terms of the team members, your team members, your new manager, their boss, your customers, your stakeholders, what, you, you know, kind of identify you might have bottlenecks or fears or frustration around an impact there. And then the last P is not the last, not the least important, um, is your personal. So what are their challenges in yourself? Um, how does this line up with your values, your beliefs, what you think about yourself? And I think thinking about it from those three different perspectives can give you a lot of clarity in terms of where your little rub points are and actions that you can take, um, you know, to help you kind of come up with a roadmap for the way forward. Amazing. I, that's so practical too, to be thinking about how do I reflect on myself first? Because when I hear you describe the language of what we often hear in change projects, which is they force this on me, I have to do this, they shouldn't have done it, but now here we are. Kind of that, that, that language is quite passive. But if we reflect first and go, okay, well, here we are, like maybe not that much I can do about it, but, but how could I reframe this as an opportunity? And how can I look at this and go, cool, 
this has happened. Now, how do I move forward in a way that's going to be helpful and beneficial for the team that I work with, but also for me in my career? Because one of the things I've seen in HR, and I know you would have probably seen this in your role in working with hundreds of teams around change. One of the things that can limit people in their career is when they get known in the organization as a resistor or a blocker of change. And they become this person that everyone kind of treads lightly around of going, we've got this change, but Tom over here is going to cause a whole heap of problems. (laughs) Or they just, they start to build this reputation or personal brand within the organization of being a blocker. And uh, I think that can be, that can happen because organizations have previously done change badly. But I think we have to take control over our own behavior and responses because we ultimately control how people perceive us and how we show up. So we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, I'd love to know what advice you have, Kate, for people who want to become more receptive and adaptable to change, even when it's outside their control. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audio book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Kate, what advice would you have for individuals who want to become more receptive and adaptable to change? Ooh, I've got to think about that. Uh, So you're right that that idea of becoming a blocker. Um, I think there's all there's been times when all of us can relate to that. Uh, and in fact, I was having a conversation with someone, a change manager yesterday, who told me about an experience she had where uh, she went to go talk to a team about a particular change that was being introduced in the organisation, and she had been told this team had a um, was known as blockers. It was the whole team. It wasn't just one person. Uh, and she went and had a, you know, the first time she met them, they all started yelling at her <laughs> about it, you know, and she said it got to a point where they had four people had been sitting down. She was one of them. And she, the, you know, in the middle of the conversation, she was the only person sitting and three people were standing up yelling. Wow. Uh, so, so blocking can turn into you know, can, the way that the behaviours of blocking can sometimes <laughs> be really full on. But the reason why they were blocking is because 
they felt they had not been considered in the design mm. of the change, that their work, their very, very important work that people on that team took very seriously and we imagine being on that team and feeling like you hadn't been considered, no one had consulted you about it. Um, we put ourselves into our work. We are invested in mm. what we do and in the way we have shaped our roles and our team and the people around us. We want the best for them. So I think it's natural to, you know, when to kind of arc up or to dig our heels in around yes. stuff occasionally. Um, and that is a symptom of, you know, because we care so much. Um, and that is particularly a symptom for people who are very ambitious, who are very focused on their careers. If you don't care, you don't care. But if you care, um, so it can be something that comes up. If that's you, um, yeah, be aware <laughs> that getting a reputation as being a blocker is probably not in your best interest. And I would suggest going through that three Ps exercise yourself and trying to take on board um, that idea that there is always opportunity in change. And those three Ps can be a useful, really simple little framework to challenge yourself to find the opportunities. What are the opportunities in this change for tasks, for your tasks that are in your remit, that are your responsibility? What are the opportunities for your relationships with people in your team, your customers, your manager? And what are the opportunities for you personally in your career uh, in terms of the kind of role that you could step into through this change? Could you become more of a trusted advisor? Uh, could you become very creative and innovative? Could you share some incredible ideas? Could you um, work with people that are more junior to help skill them up and build capability? There's so many cool things that you could do. I promise there's always an opportunity. Uh, something else I wanted to suggest that might be useful Change brings up a lot of uncertainty. The future when we don't know. I said before how I love that quote that uh, mid-21st century, we should all expect it to sound like sci-fi to us right now. So change, the future is going to surprise us at work. Uh, even if we think we know what's coming, we don't know what's coming. And that can lead to a sense of uncertainty and kind of being a bit worried about stuff. Um, a tip I want to suggest for people is if you don't have a personal board of advisors for yourself, put one together. Um, and when I say that's just a fancy way of saying, get really clear on and intentional about creating a support network around you. You don't actually need to get them all together and have a chat like you, you know, imagine everyone sitting in a boardroom together, but you could a couple of times a year, you could invite people together, or you could just have your board of advisors that you could meet with as you need regularly. And I think on your board of advisors, you could have a mentor, you could have one or two sponsors, you could have a trusted peer, you could have a friend, you can have a coach, maybe a life coach, an executive coach, something like that. You could even have a counsellor. I think those seven kinds of roles can really help you feel more grounded in times of uncertainty. Mm. Because you may not be able to go to your brand new manager uh, or you, no one knows how to use a CRM, but, <laughs> you know, but you can, if you have your personal board of advisors and you know who you can reach out to um, for advice, that can help you kind of feel shored up and grounded in your next steps. Wow. That is such a practical thing people can do and take away from this conversation. And I love your perspective on change, Kate, because you do come at it 
something so complicated and unknown and uncertain, you come at it with a really practical lens. To close off this conversation, I'd love to know, is there any final pieces of advice that you would give someone who's navigating a big change at their, a big or small change at work at the moment? What would you say or recommend to them for how they should move through it? Um, I think a couple of things. The first, the biggest thing is you don't need to know all the answers. No matter what your role, even if you're the boss of the whole place, <laughs> you don't need to know all the answers so you can take the pressure off yourself about that. You, Your role is to facilitate, to engage, to contribute to it. So, you know, kind of to be in that lighter, more active, more engaged kind of space around it, take the pressure off. That personally really helps me anytime I'm feeling stressed or worried. It's normally because I think, oh gosh, I've got to have all the answers in this situation. Um, And if you have any influence in a team environment at all, I recommend suggesting a few questions that you pose together. Uh, And those questions are things like, what's our winning vision? You know, like where are we, what's our ultimate goal here? Mm. What are we really aspiring to? Um, And the next one could be, how are we going to win? How are we going to get there? What's our approach going to be? Think broadly about it. You don't need the detail, just kind of the strategy about it. Um, and the third question would be, what are our team agreements? So through this change, we don't necessarily know what's coming. We don't know what they're going to throw at us next. We don't know how to use the CRM and we don't know what that means for all of our jobs but we can have agreements about how we locally work together. Mm. We can have agreements like, you know, we have a stand-up twice a week on this day and this day. We can have agreements that we don't have meetings over lunchtime. We can have agreements that we don't have meetings on Wednesday afternoons and everyone can focus on their work then. We can have agreements that we uh, review things every month and optimise, talk about what worked and what didn't and improve things. Those kinds, they are in your control locally as your team. Um, And then the last recommendation I would make is to rest as much as you can, because change is tiring. It demands of us. Learning is hard work. That takes a lot of calories. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of research out there that says working harder and longer does not make us more productive. I probably even need to say that to myself. I need to say that to myself every day. Working harder does not make you more productive, but research has shown that resting more, actively resting can contribute to 26% increase in productivity and in performance. So it's like the opposite of what you expect. So take time to rest through it. There you go. That's my advice. Beautiful. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today and helping us learn to navigate change in a really positive way and reframe it as an opportunity. Kate, we'll have all your details to your LinkedIn in the show notes. People are going to want to reach out to you. So make sure you connect with Kate on LinkedIn and find out more about her business. All the details in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen. Thanks heaps of hanging. Oh, thanks, Shell. I've loved our conversation. Thank you. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out 
My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.